0: Hello and welcome to another election special episode of Politics Theory Other, a podcast from Tribune magazine. My guest today is Will Davies. We spoke about the Conservatives' response to Labour's policy on free full-fibre broadband, whether Boris Johnson really is the great campaigner his admirers claim he is, and we also discussed Labour's messaging around taking on the billionaires. If you've been finding these election special episodes interesting and useful, please think about becoming a supporter of the show. You can become a supporter for $3 a month, which is just over £2. And by becoming a supporter, you'll get access to extended versions of lots of PTO shows, including today's interview. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash poll theory other. Will Davies is reader in political economy at Goldsmiths. He's the author of The Happiness Industry, The Limits of Neoliberalism and his most recent book, Nervous States, How Feeling Took Over the World, which we discussed in episode 27. I began the interview by asking Will whether he thought that the reaction of the Conservatives and much of the media to Labour's announcement on rolling out free full-fibre broadband by 2030 which included talk of maxing out the country's credit card and articulating the economy as akin to a household with the idea of needing to balance income and outgoings still resonated with the public in the way that it did during the years of the coalition government.
1: Well, I think one thing that's happened, particularly as a result of Brexit, um, but also as a result of the, the lies that George Osborne told about how austerity would work and how it would benefit the economy and benefit most people uh, is that in some sense, the whole notion of, of of economic rationality and of doing what is common sense with in relation to economics has, has almost sort of departed our politics, I think. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Conservatives are um, signed up to a policy that is expected to have a pretty disastrous effect on macroeconomic um, growth uh, over the next few years which is Boris Johnson's EU deal which uh, you know the, the the models such as they are suggest that it will be significantly worse than Theresa May's and 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 far far worse than remaining uh, in the European Union, so in that mm. sense, I think that those sort of familiar debates that that sort of limped on during the the Cameron years um have sort of now rather died altogether and I think that what you see in the in the attacks on labor now are less that um you know they they're, they're they're nice well intentioned people, but you can't trust them with your money, which is something which um, neoliberals and conservatives have been saying about the left for decades. It's now much more that they are actually potentially bad and evil people. Um, because after all, you can't trust Boris Johnson either. I mean, everyone, I mean, Boris Johnson doesn't doesn't claim to be a trustworthy individual, and no. I mean, that's the that would be the last um, that would be the last card that the Tories would ever be able to play with Johnson as their leader. But I think that it's much more that 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 there might be some sort of surreptitious um, and uh, uh, malicious. Um, Agenda that John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn stand for.
0: I mean, I think Richard Seymour has written about this idea of of, of anti-communism without communists. Mm. Um, and, yeah. you know, whatever uh, John McDonald and Jeremy Corbyn are, they're not, you know, full-throated uh, communists. Um, but... Presumably, the calculation is that this kind of language still resonates with people who remember the Cold War, uh, that it's that it's that it's going to mobilize um, and affect the voting behavior of of older cohorts. Do you think that's that's reasonable? Because I think, you know, to many younger people, it it just seems um, absurd and bizarre.
1: Yeah, I I I think that's right. I mean, I I mean obviously, I mean the conservatives are, are going to win the vote amongst the 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 over 60s uh, fairly fairly conclusively. Um I mean that's where the, the the hardline Brexiteers are. That's the people who um sort of look at Boris Johnson as as a sort of sort of lovable naughty boy and and find his 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 sort of kind of values such as they are to be sort of in some ways what this country needs. Um uh, I think that they will remember, or at least sort of have a, some kind of um, uh, imagined memory of 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 a, of a sort of image of a, of a, a communist uh, dictatorship, um, and I think that the idea of sort of seizing assets. Uh, which is what these um, proposed uh, nationalizations are presented as, um, is a way of sort of, I suppose, trying to kind of um, anyone who, who owns their own home, um, equally, you know, the, the idea of, of tenants in housing associations gaining the right to buy at a price that is negotiated on social grounds rather than on purely market grounds, again, is this idea that once you kind of mess with the market price system that you are on the famous road to serfdom as, as Friedrich Hayek um, famously presented it as so I mean that I mean you're right that anyone who's born since 1990 um, or even since 1980 has has a very diff- very very little memory that this was ever even possible but I think there is there is a bit of that in, in going on here um, I think that uh, that I think plays probably better with their base than it does with, with with some of the kind of swing voters that they're appealing to but I mean I, I suppose that I mean, you know, if they're if they're looking for, for, the, for the kind of Blairite vote, the sort of, the sort of enthusiastic New Labour voter, that they might think that these that these sorts of um, voters who might be swinging towards the Liberal Democrats uh, could be could be won over by by saying, you know, it's, it, it's basically Corbyn or us. Um, and look how big the divide is on, on when it comes to sort of basic matters of property rights. I mean, that, that sort of 20th century playbook, I, I imagine, will be in will be in um, in, in the mix.
0: Going back to that point on the, the nature of the Brexit deal, I mean, it, it looks like we're unlikely to see a great deal of talk about the, the Brexit deal, even though, as you say, you know, it's, it's in, in many respects a pretty pretty dreadful deal and, and arguably, uh, well, worse than, than Theresa May's deal. But it seems to me that Labour is, is very much replaying the 2017 playbook, uh, which yeah, may turn out to be effective. But one of the consequences of that will be, it seems, that there won't be a great deal of scrutiny of that deal. Do you think that's a problem? well I think it is I think it's a it's a it, it, it is a it is a problem and I
1: think that it's also um, something that um, the conservatives are getting away with that to some extent at the moment um, I mean the estimations by the uh, think tank UK and a changing Europe um, suggest that this is going to have a very significant negative effect on um, you know household income and public finances, and so on. And I think that Labour, I think there must be something that Labour can could some gains for Labour in that, Mm. Um, if they can translate that into some of the kind of fiscal trade offs that are going to have to be made, given that probably people don't really trust Boris Johnson, as far as they'd like to throw him when it comes to any type of uh, fiscal policy, whether it be about tax cuts, or the NHS or anything like that. Um, So whereas, you know, the very idea that maybe that the overall size of the overall size of the um, economy is going to shrink significantly as a result of this deal. I think there are probably lots and lots of people who could quite happily have, uh, you know, could could have cold feet about the whole thing. The problem is, of course, that once Labour get into a, an argument about uh, Brexit, I mean, the, the, the current Tory line is that uh, you vote Labour get two referendums next year. That's the sort of, seems to be the kind of stock line that the Tories are uh, 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 hammering away at. Um, and I think it, it is, it is a diff- having a second referendum is, is always, a, uh, is a. I mean, I think the, the policy is clear. It's not the policy isn't clear, as as, as many of the commentators keep sort of claiming it, that, that they don't understand it. Uh, but I think it is, a, it is a difficult sell. And I think that Johnson, at least as a, as a campaigning t- tactic he's got this idea of the oven red- ready deal it is the is this sort of silly phrase he keeps using um, and it has a certain sort of uh, clearly everyone is sick of brexit they clearly mm. realize that they must have picked it up from their focus groups how sick of brexit people are um, and ironically given that that brexit is a, is a is an idea that was born on the conservative backbenchers was sustained over 30 years amongst these sort of weird sects of the Tory party and then was then sort of unleashed on the country by David Cameron in, in, in 2016. They, they're now heavily playing to the idea that everyone's had enough of Brexit and they wanted to just go away. And even if that leaves um, the uh, exchequer um, 50 billion pounds a year worse off or, 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 or sort of figures of that kind of magnitude, that people would rather do that than sustain this kind of crap any longer.
0: Is there also uh, a sense that although there may be some uh, some short term pain? that in the long term that this will that this will nonetheless benefit the country i mean i presume that that's what some of the 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 appeal to notions of of the blitz spirit and and the second world war which we heard we we don't hear so much now but we did hear you know a few months ago that that is part of that narrative
1: yeah i mean i think I, i i'm always interested in political slogans given clearly they so much thought goes into these things and everyone was very interested in Take back control in 2016, and and the Conservatives have got unleashed Britain's potential. Um, now that that means lots of different things, and uh, I mean I think clearly it has, it implies that. Brit- so what, what is it that's holding Britain back? Well, clearly there's this idea that appeals to the to the sort of neo Thatcherites of the sort of dominant Raab end of the party that that red tape and regulation is what is holding back prosperity, which is a kind of classic old supply side. Um, uh, sort of laissez faire vision and you sort of slash taxes slash regulations and suddenly these entrepreneurs kind of pop up all over the country um i mean that's been a sort of you know that lie is now kind of about 45 years old in 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 this country but nevertheless it, it still has this appeal that there's still too much tax still too much regulation then there's well maybe europe is what's holding us back um i think the other thing which is interesting about that slogan is that it also has certain sort of cultural resonances because it implies maybe that um, Britain has been held back by some kind of as much as there's a kind of if you know the populist culture war hasn't quite really happened in this election campaign to the extent that some people thought it might but it could do i mean there's still quite a bit of time um but the idea that there are uh, there is a sort of liberal elite of a kind of metropolitan uh, politically correct class who tell you that you can't say that and you can't say that and you're not allowed to do that anymore and you're not allowed to smack your kids and that kind of thing uh, and that actually unleashing britain's potential is speaks to some idea that that Britain you know there's nothing wrong with Britain I mean Britain's got hundreds of years of, 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 of history and, and and success behind it it's now been kind of um restrained by a mixture of of, of, of sort of progressive policy measures and a sort of uh, increasingly totalitarian uh cultural politics of, of political correctness so I think that, that that that's the sort of certainly on a kind of psychological and, and semiotic level I think that's kind of how how things are are, are being played um you know of course neoliberals always think that that prosperity is is just um, is just you know a little bit further into the future that is the sort of austrian neoliberal vision is that eventually everything will you know the market will take care of it mm-hmm. um it's always it's always the eventually um and that you have to you know you just have to you just have to soak up a bit of pain and then eventually the price system will accurately reflect everything and um, investors will 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 feel confident again, and 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 entrepreneurs will come alive, and 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 then jobs will be created, and 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 you've got to be stop being so impatient.
0: So on that point about the unleashing of of uh, Britain's potential slogan, so unleashing there doesn't necessarily have the connotations of. of- Removing restrictions which are, uh, enable economic growth, but it may have a more sort of transgressive quality to it, it's, as you say. Yeah. It's a, you know, you you can say what you want to say. Uh, you can ignore sort of PC shibboleths, as you say. You know, hit your kids and all this kind of thing. So you you think that is actually is part of that mix?
1: Well, I think that I think that's
0: a key part of, 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 of what Johnsonism
1: is about. I mean, Boris Johnson is a is a is a, sort of, is a kind of ideological vacuum, but he is a a, a persona who is reckless um, who. To, um demonstrates no respect for um uh well morality for um uh, basic um norms of honesty of notions of duty of of, of remembering of, of, how
0: many children one might have no exactly
1: or of or, or of a basic uh, fidelity to doing one's job properly and 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 to the norms of one's office, so he—he he sort of what he embodies is is a sort of a, a kind of recklessness, um, and I think that uh, that I suppose has a certain sort of political psychological appeal, which um, speaks to to those that feel that the country has been sort of straightjacketed, I suppose, in various ways um, over over recent decades, um, and that there is a sort of uh, and I mean this is a kind of key feature of of. Of, of a certain strand of conservatism that naturally um, there are certain hierarchies. Um, I mean, this is a sort of um, a rather kind of primordial type of conservatism uh, which is uh, heavily opposed to feminism in particular uh, but which is that there are certain natural identities and hierarchies which have been kind of messed around with by by liberals and 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 socialists and cultural Marxists uh, which need to be restored and I don't think Johnson really has to, has to sort of say all of that I think it's sort of it's kind of um, part of part of who he is that um, that he's uh, you know his transgression in some sense, communicates that in a way that is different from from the way that trump does it in america which is a much more sort of i suppose more kind of frightening a more kind of uh uh, uh i mean a lot of people would vote for trump but wouldn't want to have him in their house um mm. in america whereas i think in, in britain people sort of i think that that a lot of people think of you know a lot of johnson supporters see him as a bit of a card in some ways and there is a sort of a, a
0: clubbishness of a-, a top gear vibe almost
1: yeah, and 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 the sort of golf club banter, that kind of um, uh, something, something about that. And I mean, if you had to sort of think of what what kind of figure is Johnson um, as a as a public figure? Um, I mean, well, it's interesting that I mean Trump is was was became a sort of most famous as a, as a reality television star um, and in a way what Johnson is as well is a sort of I mean he fits the type of, of a reality television figure probably closer than any other genre of public figure in as much as he's not really a journalist um, he is a a, 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 a persona that um, uh, there was this terrific piece of journalism by Simon Cooper in the Financial Times a few months ago about the Oxford Union Society and the mm-hmm. roundabout 1986-87 yeah. that was published a while back that basically all of the kind of today's kind of Political celebrities on the right are in the story of, of Michael Gove and Theresa May and David Cameron and so on. And John, it sort of talks about how Johnson kind of perfected Boris um, over the course of, you know, he sort of tried out this, 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 this character rather as a, as a um, stand up comedian does, it sort of develops, you know, what kind of person am I going to be for the audience? Um, and over time, kind of perfects it. And I, I think that's clearly what, what Johnson is as, as a character
0: having seen him you know out on the the, the campaign trail over the last uh, you know week or so he's very much talked up by conservative journalists as being this this excellent campaigner the mm. the heineken politician who can you know reach the parts of the country mm. that other politicians can't and certainly an upgrade on on Theresa may in that respect um when I, mean, I spoke to, to James meadway not that long ago and and you know his view is that johnson is is the ideal candidate for uh, labor to face because of his you know his background of, of privilege um mm. you know, his inability to keep control of his of his id, and um hmm. uh, what's your view i mean how, how formidable an opponent do you think johnson is
1: well i mean i think so one of the things that i mean politics has it's not that long ago that just getting a a, a political leader that was even recognized or heard of was 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 quite difficult i mean you know when you looked around um at the both the conservative and labor front benches there was there was sort of you know there were very few candidates that that anyone had even heard of so um, what i think is um sort of quite striking right now is that in some ways both johnson and corbyn in both good and bad ways are celebrities i mean they are they are proper celebrities in the sense that they uh, and that's you know obviously a, a function of, of of how our media perceives them as well which is they want to go and sniff around their homes and talk about their private lives and all that sort of stuff that's that's the media's job not theirs but i think that um So, I mean, no one could say there's no choice between these two sort of um, uh, sort of political icons if you like because they they they're utterly different and i can see why james would would say that in that sense if you're going to you know if you're going to campaign for for corbyn and corbynism uh the the, the difference could scarcely be more stark i mean i imagine if you know if labor was 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 led by someone who was less clearly defined less clearly um recognised um then they could just end up having all of their sort of all of the, the sort of oxygen just sort of sucked away by this kind of uh sort of Rumbunctious, sort of out of control figure on the other side, Um, and he clearly, you know, Johnson keeps kind of having having these sort of confrontations with members of the public who uh, behave quite angrily towards him. Um, I don't think anyone would say that he's a particularly liked. Uh, figure. I mean, people might find him quite sort of, uh, sort of uh, good to watch that he's quite entertaining. Um, he, he draws attention to himself, but people don't, people don't like him. They don't particularly admire him. But I think that one of the difficulties for any political campaign now when faced by a figure like Johnson, and this is clearly what the Democrats are going to have to grapple with with Trump, is that for, for curious reasons, these individuals who somehow have never really sort of claimed to be morally restrained or, or, or have any kind of conscience in the first place it seems that people don't really kind of hold them to the same standards as they do other individuals so it's difficult when the fact that he's a liar and the fact that he is somewhat out of control doesn't really seem to do much damage so that that does produce certain types of of, of of problem in terms of campaigning, and I think that probably I, I, I'm I'm not a someone who claims to have great insights into into how you into campaigning strategy, but I think that but clearly it means that that Labour has got to sort of not get diverted into sort of attacking him in ways that that, that simply kind of bounce off him the whole time, and I think mm. that um you know there's been a lot of discussion in this election which in a way that's never happened before about you know are the tories doing deliberately sort of sort of stupid things with bad memes and 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 bad sort of campaigning tactics as a way of kind of eating up the the conversation um and they might be or they might not be but either way i think that the point stands that nowadays in contemporary campaigning you can't just be going kind of relentlessly negative in the hope that 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 that, that will sort of harm harm your opponent of course he does have the newspapers on his side to to a sort of you know almost universally
0: I mean, in terms of campaign negativity, I mean, the Conservative campaign so far seems to be very sparse in in terms of of policy and does seem to be focused very much on trying to discredit, well, to to further discredit Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, it's sort of surprising they have anything left in the locker to throw at him, given Mm. just the relentlessness of, of the smears. Um, do you think that that can be a a winning strategy for them to to not really have a very substantial offer? I mean, it looks like they're not going to release their manifesto until the last last couple of weeks uh, of the campaign. Perhaps there'll be some surprises there, but clearly they're not going to come anywhere near to matching uh, Labour's spending commitments. No,
1: no, sure. I mean... Everyone's realized since Johnson got in uh, to number 10 and since he unleashed Dominic Cummings as his uh, main advisor, which took so many people by surprise, that the strategy was always going to be somehow trying to reassemble that 52 percent of, well, not reassemble 52 percent, but, you know, but to, but to but to put Leave back together in some way. Um, and that... Um, you know if they could do it was clearly going to be a quite a a, a powerful uh, a strategy um and it seems to be working reasonably well at the moment um but it does mean that there is a kind of an absence of any um uh, of any policy agenda beyond this to get brexit done so uh, the other thing about this unleash britain's potential which you you keep keep seeing is that they rely on the idea that politically and economically, Britain has become sort of constipated. Uh, that there is a, some sort of blockage going on, um, which is Parliament. It's uh, this sort of relentless. It's the it's the liberal elites of London um, that have sort of clogged up the entire uh, democratic and and economic system, and that Johnson is is is, is I'm not going to continue the constipation uh, analogy. <laughs> but uh, but that um, the Le- Johnson is, is the parts is, that the politicians can't <laughs> reach. From. Well, there's to be a sort of anyway um but um uh you know there's the the, he's the 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 if you vote conservative there is going to be this sudden sort of unleashing that's going to take place um and, uh, and and then britain's going to be back on track yeah um and um uh uh and so the idea, I think, which they're trying to present the people with is that, like, we'll talk about policy once we've got this out of the way. So that this is not really going to be a kind of mm. policy election as far as they're concerned, because yeah. policy at the moment has been completely sort of hamstrung by this stupid thing called Brexit that someone came up with as an idea. Uh, and, and poor old Boris had to sort of go and sort it out. Um, and, um, you know, if you can just back him, then he'll get on with sorting out policing and the NHS. Um, now, I imagine that, you know, clearly... I mean, I, d- I doubt they've got any any real sort of haven't done any real policy thinking around any of these things anyway. I mean, when it comes to things like hospitals, we know that he just sort of plucks numbers out of the air. He says, oh, I'm building another 40 hospitals. And then it turns out uh, that actually some already accounted for money is renovating six or something. Um, so, I mean, that's the nature of these things is that, I mean, they they, 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 they do benefit from that sort of um, uh, the, the air of sort of weariness and uh and sort of skepticism that now surrounds all kinds of policy announcements um they exploit that and they that that clearly they want they want they want more of that weariness and they want more of that skepticism because they don't want to be examined they certainly don't want to have Boris's Johnson's deal examined um uh they what they want is this idea that uh, this country has now got completely clogged up um and thanks to parliament thanks to remainers thanks to the liberal elites um and that Johnson is going to sort of blast his way through it and then come January this country could be in some sense well depending on whether you wanted to be back to normal which is your sort of Tory remainer um possible um Lib Dem who might want to be sort of back to some semblance of normality um in which case you know get back to some sort of prosperity and back to sort of you know investing in things and so on or some sort of blasting through things and get back to some kind of pre-liberal idea of nationhood that that is the sort of I suppose, the dog whistle that's being sent off to those um, people who who are sort of drawn to Nigel Farage. And I mean, you know, Farage picked up, uh, you know, 30 something percent of the vote in in, in the European elections. And mm. those people, they want a, a rather more kind of um, red blooded idea of, of, of what unleashing Britain's potential means beyond just getting through this, this parliamentary quagmire that, that Johnson also is quite happy to talk about. So I think they're not they're not they're not basically offering themselves as a policy making operation at the moment. So it will be very yeah. interesting when the Labour manifesto comes out. Now manifestos now are hugely important to Labour. It was hugely important in 2017. It will be if anything even more important this time because to be blunt about it I think that I think now the sort of anti-Corbyn mood in the country, uh, outside of obviously his, the, I mean, I'm talking across the, the, the whole population, is now rather uh, more deeply felt than it was in 2017. Um, and I think that that means that policy needs to do even more for Labour than it did in 2017. Um, and Labour has got to get the discussion onto, onto matters of, of policy. And that I think is probably something that, that Johnson will try to avoid happening.
0: And regarding labor policy I mean do you feel like it's it's sufficiently embedded within a broader narrative it feels that it's only quite recently that the labor have brought out this narrative around around going after billionaires and, and actually naming specific billionaires who they, who they would try and try and mm. uh, try and go after. It feels like it contrasts quite starkly with the United States, where mm. um, you know somebody like Bernie Sanders, it's, it's impossible to imagine Bernie Sanders speaking for more than thirty seconds without saying the billionaire class. You know, he's so mm. kind of relentless with his, his his message discipline. Is that is that a concern that you that you share as well? Well,
1: I mean, I, I wrote I read a tweet when, at the beginning of the campaign saying, "Does does this sort of going after billionaires? I mean, because the I mean, Corbyn said there are 150 billionaires in the country. And I Hmm. I, maybe I phrased it badly because I said something like, um, would this resonate outside of London? And what I meant by that was that where, you know, if you walk through London, you can cross Tower Bridge and see um, these sort of high rise condos where the top um uh, apartment has a full 360 degree sort of view all over the london skyline so with, mm. like like manhattan london is now becoming visibly and architecturally shaped by the private interests of people with uh, with 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 you know who are sort of maybe not billionaires as such but people who are in the top 0. 0.001% uh, and there's something kind of monstrous about this um in a way that certainly I sort of say uh, 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 but you know does billionaire actually kind of look like the problem if you're in in much of the uk and 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 many people on twitter told me that i was being patronizing and that this was actually you know that people are just as angry about billionaires anywhere else they are in london you know fair cop but um but the other point that i was making was that uh, in the united states the the problem of, of 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 the billionaire is actually something that dates back to the to the gilded age and and, mm-hmm. and and the origins of populism actually back in uh the uh late 19th century of of what to do about the the you know the, the, the sort of rockefeller type uh figures who s- looked like they were becoming more powerful than governments and, and in many ways were more powerful than governments partly because governments weren't very powerful in the united states at the end of the 19th century so this discourse of of the sort of uh, the the oligarch and what to do about the, these kind of oligarchies and their threat to the American dream is is quite a long standing one in the states. Now, actually, it's funny, because one thing I put in that Twitter thread was, um, but maybe it's very good at firing up the activist base. And it was funny, while I was listening to your interview with Paolo Gebardo the other day, and he was talking about, you know, how different stages in a campaign, you know, there were different priorities. And actually, sort of firing up your activists at the beginning can actually be, you know, a very, it, 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 within a more sophisticated notion of messaging, actually unleashing processes of virality is something you need to do at the beginning because actually then you can get the benefit of people talking about things. So it may be that that that, 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 that was exactly what, what Labour was doing was talking about billionaires because they know that members of the Labour Party are very angry about billionaires it may not be that the your, the swing voter that they've got to uh, capture in order to get a majority is preoccupied with billionaires that 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 swing voter might be more preoccupied with the national health service and education and the cost of living and the sorts of things that you know sort of Center-left parties have spent much of the last um, uh, thirty years talking about. Mm. Uh, so it may be that billionaires is a is a good sort of uh, area for for for, for, for mobilising people and for then getting them to to go out and knock on doors and to share messages on Facebook and that sort of thing. In which case, it's it's a very it's a perfectly. I've got. I've got nothing against politicians attacking billionaires. It's just a a sort of an empirical question about whether whether
0: that's where uh, you know whether that should be central to a strategy or not. One point that I saw somebody making about that there's a question of 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 plausibility about about going after after the super rich. Um, You know, having lived in a society that for you know so long has has uh, you know been set up to to service the needs of of the top you know 0.1 or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's a
1: question of. I mean, maybe the the, the semantics of billionaire, millionaire is, is 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 kind of splitting hairs. I don't know. But um, I mean, um, you. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's it. The, the naming Mike Ashley. I mean, this is sort of mm. this is in many ways uh, classic. Populism, and uh, it, it might be a it might be a quite a smart kind of populism. So it may it may be the right thing to do. Again, I, I, I simply I, I'm posing the question not because I think it's a bad idea. I just I, I assume some people think this sort of thing through, and they 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 come to the conclusion that it's that it's that it's going to be a, a potent message. Um, uh, I think that um, you know if you're taxing a very small number of people. Um, or you're preventing a very small amount of, of, of tax, ev- or tax evasion by a very small number of people, um, then obviously that's not going to be very fiscally significant, but it might play uh, quite powerfully as a type of populist naming of, a, of, a, of, a, of an enemy elite of some kind. Um, whereas actually um, it may be that actually you know if, you, if you're raising taxes amongst a much larger number of people then of course that can have a much bigger uh fiscal effect so um i mean the the one the percent incidentally i mean is, is to, to be in the one percent you haven't got to be you haven't certainly i'm going to be a billionaire i mean um uh, it, uh, I mean, there were some I mean, there were some doctors doing maybe some, you know, private healthcare in addition to working in the NHS, who would be in the 1%. I mean, this isn't it's not it's not something which is particularly uh, exotic in terms of sort of it's not something which is completely outlandish, like being Jeff Bezos or something like that. Um, and, you know, putting up the, uh, the, 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 the standard income rate of tax at the, the, the current top rate of tax would would raise um, uh, more money from that from that um, section of society.
0: One thing that we saw a lot of after, after that messaging around billionaires was people on the left on social media trying to get across the difference between millionaires and billionaires and, and just point out what a colossal difference it is in terms of terms of wealth and that uh, it's not easy to, to sort of immediately grasp that. And I mean, presumably people were doing that in part because their perception is that a significant part of the population think it's kind of not implausible for them to become millionaires. And does that speak to the kind of uh, the, the, the general sort of dominance of notions of, of social social advancement that are quite unrealistic? That you know, for the most part, people are going to be remain in the social class w- within which they are they are born.
1: Well, I mean, it's it, it certainly. I mean, I think that the the idea of of, of social mobility and 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 meritocracy are clearly uh, key neoliberal. Um, ideologies. Um, and uh, it's also the case that they become more plausible where inequality is lower, because obviously, if inequality is lower, then mobility doesn't have to be as great in order for people mm. to end up with considerably different sorts of um, uh, kind of jobs and, and life chances and so on. Um, so, as inequality has risen, uh, particularly as a result of 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 financialization and uh, the the picketty effects of assets growing faster than incomes, uh, asset values growing faster than incomes. Um, then, in a sense, the meritoc- the, the dream of meritocracy and, and social mobility becomes less and less plausible over time. And I think that probably, I mean, if you say jeremy corbyn is against aspiration which has been something that has always been the kind of that was always the, the that in some ways was the sort of new labor um uh i mean the the great anxiety of new labor was well he's the left against aspiration particularly take mm. something like the sell-off of council houses by thatcher in, in the 1980s was there were a lot of people uh, who were working class who bought their own council houses um and were able to uh, take or felt that they might be taking control of their lives in ways that um, needed to be respected and made a centrepiece of a of a of a, a left wing uh, policy. That was the sort of the, the kind of New Labour mentality: is that aspiration should be a core value for the left. This was um, something that many New Labour um, thinkers, and, and not just the sort of you know those who it's easy to kind of uh, sort of hate on, by like Alan Milburn and so on, but. But, you know there were some quite thoughtful ones as well who also sort of were trying to think this sort of thing through in terms of what what this might 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 mean uh, but i think that it's become something that has become i mean right now what would aspiration mean i mean even if you're even if you're you're doing a, a degree at the at the most elite university in this country now, which is the LSE, uh, um, we, you know, and you you're, you're working to get you want to make as much money as possible. You want to improve yourself and so on. You want to get a, a first in financial economics, and then you want to um, uh, you know go and get an internship at Goldman Sachs, or whatever it might be. Um, now, it's of course that sort of ladder is, is is still there uh it is still possible if you set out to become um uh, to become super rich and to, to own your own home in somewhere in, in in zone one or zone two in London of course there are things you can do there are choices you can make you can choose to study financial economics at university you can choose to uh focus on kind of managing your own life in a certain way but it's 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 something that which 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 require draws on your entire kind of soul really I mean this is something which many sort of theorists of neoliberalism of, of Wendy Brown and Dardo and Laval and so on have talked about is that it, it's no longer something that sort of is kind of market forces or, or sort of kind of gentle natural type of competition which you know meant that well, look David Bowie ended up being very famous because he was very talented but, I mean that's, that, that's what meritocracy should look like um, uh, but, uh, but actually requires sort of in some sense fashioning your entire existence around a particular kind of life course whereas mm. if you're we were talking about people who who sort of you know they they with a sort of a, a more kind of gentle more um, reasonable idea of meritocracy and, and social mobility is that people go to university they find out what they're into they they study things or well, they don't go to university and, and 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 that they sort of end up sort of I suppose you know the the moral vision of, 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 of a sort of friendly neoliberalism is people end up getting what they deserve but even even if you know that is I think completely kind of shot to bits over the last sort of particularly by 2008 because actually um in some ways unless you sort of ruthlessly and aggressively and nihilistically sort of set out to become a certain type of asset owning individual I don't think you stand a chance any longer so in that sense people are either becoming that sort of um uh, sort of nihilistic uh uh sort of financial fin- sort of financially inclined individual or they're uh, acting in a defense Way, which is what many people who do own assets uh, above a certain age are doing, um, and are sort of seeking ways of pulling up the drawbridge, hoarding capital so they can pass it on to their children, uh, trying to make sure that their their capital is, is is safe from 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 taxation and 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 from uh, financial um, risks and so on. Um, or there's a, a whole class of people, and in some ways this is the sort of you know the people who are, who are most sympathetic to Corbynism, of people who really have not got any chance of any Any of that working out for them and even though they've 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 got a good education and even though they're smart and hard-working none of it's going to happen regardless and in that sense i think you know that's like what i mean i think it was happening slowly before 2008 but since 2008 i don't think that i mean to the extent that meritocracy means anything at all. I don't think it means anything that is morally appealing to anyone, because it's either you've got to turn into sort of Gordon Gecko, or uh, you basically are sort of really just living off some kind of fortune of of, of of family luck. Or it's just not even worth trying, which I think is what it looks like to quite plausibly, quite understandably to a, to a large number of people.
0: You've been listening to Politics Theory Other. If you would like to hear the extended version of this interview, please consider supporting the show via Patreon. You can find the page at patreon.com forward slash poll theory other. Thanks for listening.